Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. This guy, defensively, we know that's his weakness, but it's really not a weakness. He's not great, but because of his size and his intelligence, he's not a liability defensively. Offensively, there's nothing he can't do. Through the first three quarters, he took five shots and was dominating the game. I'm thinking through history, the players, you've heard that about players before. A Bill Russell because of his rebounding in defense. A Magic Johnson, a Jason Kidd. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Chris Broussard, who of course you can hear evenings over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. That was a TV appearance he was making as he was talking about. One, Nikola Jokic. And it is one of the things that is unique about, I think, about the NBA. Other sports like to, here and there, compare their greats of today to players of the past. But I think the NBA does it more often. People talk about the NBA and go back years and years and years, like you mentioned Russell there. I want to get to more of that in just a couple minutes. Just to clean up a little bit in the 4 o'clock hour. Really good spots. Good job by Damon and uh, Willie booking up the shows. We got Theo Dorsey in from West Palm to talk about the Miami Heat. He's on ESPN West Palm. And then Samantha Rivera, who uh, one of our local jabronis, tried to mess with her during a TV shot. She was live at, you know, on CBS uh, in Miami. And she gave him a stiff arm, went viral. A lot of female journalists you know, backing her up. You know, they, they know the territory. Male journalists as well. Those live shots are really interesting. You go into the belly of the beast, and sometimes the beasts aren't going to be as cooperative as you'd like them to be. Uh, she mentioned a restaurant, vegan restaurant. Boy, she has some she has some friends here who know what they're talking about, or she got some good advice. Because uh, to find the modern vegan, we'll give them the pop. It's actually over right by UNLV, right around uh, our friends at uh, Nagy Pizza. And uh, the free zone. Love the free zone. Um Right off of University Center, as you're kind of zipping towards Virgin and Hopper House, Modern Vegan's right there. So she found her way to uh, kind of a off-the-beaten-path place for people who are going to the Strip. So I'm glad she liked it. That's good. Those are those are those are the spots that are the best. Just like the one I mentioned. You know, I mean, they're they're sort of located in locales where only the locals would know. Yeah. So the story of the Panther Rat. Right, the cats and the rats. The, the the story of the Panthers rats and they threw rats all over the ice after the game yesterday. And Samantha's kind of new to the market, so she was kind of catching up on what the rat story is. It goes all the way back to '95, and the Panthers had a game. This is at the old Miami Arena, which you know, old arenas. <laughs> We're getting more and more familiar with the A's and their Coliseum. We've heard all the stories about the possum and the the stank. Old Miami Arena, a rat pops up, right? Panthers are playing the Flames. Rat emerges in the locker room. Scott Mellenby, by legend, jumped up, grabbed a stick, and he smacked the rodent against the wall. Now, I don't know if that means he get, he freaking did a, like a slap shot or he just got him and then kind of whacked him against the wall, took him out. Later that night, Mellenby scores two goals. She mentioned that. And good old uh, Johnny Van Beesbrook said, based on the uh, the rat in the locker room, Willie's dying to just jump, jump the story, uh, and the two goals that Mellenby had scored, 
a rat trick. That's pretty good. That was the year they went to the Stanley Cup final. The 1996 final, they got swept by the Avalanche. They almost got swept. Well, I don't say almost, but a lot of people thought that the Golden Knights were on their way to sweeping. We will see what happens. Game four tomorrow in Sunrise. And they can come see it with you where? <laughs> Thanks for the segue there. Sure. Ellis Island. Uh, we're going to be at Ellis Island tomorrow. We'll tell you more about that towards the end of the show. What's We're young here with the Vegas Golden Knights, Willie. Mm-hmm. What's the best tradition by Knights fans? Please don't say it's screaming Knights during the National Anthem. No, I, 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 don't, mind it. I don't mind it at the game. Right. Oh, the, 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 the thing is, it's at every game now around town. That's, that's yeah. yeah. Um, is it the emergence of the Flamingos? No. I You know, I think what's kind of fun for the fans, I mean, I've only been to one game as a fan, as a, season, as a partial season ticket holder, and I didn't partake in this. But I think where the, the fans enjoy um, is meeting in Toshiba Plaza, Either the Vivas or the Bells, somebody, the drum line, they perform on that stage, and then they do the march to the fortress. They come in. That is pretty cool. They follow them. I, th- I, I, I kind of dig that because you hear them coming when you're upstairs at Press Row. I know Mateo does, getting ready with Jesus on, on Deportes. Um, so I kind of dig that, um, you know, just the walking in. And then and I think they set the standard with the introduction. I mean, you know, they, they, the, the production team that started it here left to go to Seattle and started there. Um, a lot of the people that were here, they fly, they've flown up there. And um, to sort of recreate and do the same thing with the, with the on-ice graphics and whatnot and the pre-production show. But the march for the fans, I think, is – I kind of think that's kind of cool because um, everybody's involved. And the Vivas, they get involved with the kids. They give the – the, the little girls, the, the pom-poms, and you got the drum line. Everybody marches together, and they come in. So I, I kind of dig that. You sent over a weird note about yesterday's game. You weaned a positive out of an overtime loss where they gave up a goal inside of three minutes? No. I, it was did a, I misread this? Yeah. You said, why did game three of the Stanley Cup final look eerily similar to how the Knights seize momentum in the Western Conference final game two versus Dallas. Yeah, for Florida. Oh. It's because Golden Knights dominated pretty much for the most part yesterday. Okay. And Florida gets that goal, and then they win in overtime. Well, if you go back to game two, after beating Dallas 4-3 to in overtime in game one, Dallas is winning 2-1, to and with a couple of minutes left, I believe Marchesaw ties it. Vegas wins 3-2 to two in overtime. And it didn't take long into overtime. Because it was the night. As a matter of fact, I believe that was the game. It was night after Carolina-Florida. Four overtimes. Unless that was game one. There have been so many overtimes. And they had three of them in that series. Then they go to Dallas and win 4 to nothing to go up three games. Point being, they completely, completely... Knocked the wind out of Dallas's sails after Dallas had the chance to steal home ice, was dominating that game. They realistically, even Peter DeBoer said he came in. I felt like you know, I don't see anything wrong with what they did. Vegas took advantage at the end. 
They got that they got that goal to tie it, and then they won it. But we played well for 55 minutes. Vegas has to be careful that Florida did not knock the wind out of their sails. Now, everybody that I'm listening to and reading and some of the earlier shows and, and our local guys that are on the different shows, post-game interviews, they none of them felt deflated. None of them had their confidence blown. They know that this is a Stanley Cup final. They respect the opponent they're playing. They know the resilience that Florida has been playing with. And so the Golden Knights are not disappointed. They would have liked to win, but meaning they're not – their confidence isn't blown. They don't need to be re-motivated. They're still motivated. And let's face it, you're in the Stanley Cup final. If you get disappointed to the point where you no longer have any motivation, you probably shouldn't be playing. So – I just thought that it was an eerie um, similarity to how Vegas beat Dallas, went on to go up three games to nil. Florida wins the exact same fashion within the last couple of minutes, ties it 2-2, two to two, wins it in overtime 3-2, to two, same score, same scenario, same everything. DeMond's with us. It's Willie Ramirez, Cofield, Treasure Island, Golden Circle, Sportsbook and Bar. Heat Nuggets game is going to start up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Demond, you're not with the show all the time. Demond's in for Ari. Um, I have to bet. I just have to bet. Especially when I'm on the air. I have to bet. It's weird. Especially when Willie starts giving out tips and angles. I try to bet against him. I fade him. Um, so what are we doing with this this Heat-Nuggets game tonight? Nuggets are three. What do you think? Taking the Heat. Right? Is Am I crazy? Nope. Plus three, I mean, the Heat are going to rally back. I believe in Jimmy Butler and the gang. Udonis Haslam, I think it's his birthday today. I mean, all the Udonis Haslam. He did get in the other night. (laughs) Oldest player to ever play in a finals game, 42 years old. And today he's 43. I'm just going with the Heat because I do think that this is going to be a more competitive series. I know that the Heat, it's always like SJVT said, they're, they're, they they win by luck. You can't do these things. As I just get a text from Danny, the degenerate gambler, on the press box. He says, you're crazy. Well, I am crazy because Ooh. I believe in the Heat. Well, that, if Danny thinks you're crazy, then you need to double everything that you're betting on the Miami Heat. Do you think Danny's what losing Steve better? Steve is betting on the Miami Heat. Well, no, I didn't say that, right? I didn't say that yet. No, but here's the thing. When when you have nothing to do with anything, you chime in with your opinion. Like some, let's say, let's say, say people ask me my opinion, right? Because I do so much ghost writing, so much sports betting writing, and so much different, right? So I never say a word to anybody. I write up games every single day. Like I've been riding this underdog win streak or underdog streak in the WNBA. I mentioned it the other day to Sam P. But oh, wait, I mean, wait, I have you have. You're not. Why don't you? Why aren't you sending me picks? You know why? Because the second I do, yep. guess what? Yep. It's going to lose. So Danny has Wait, nothing to I'm do. the mush? You're telling me? No. I would be the mush. Okay. I would be the mush by bringing up a win streak or whatever. So right. by Danny chiming in, long range, have nothing to do with the show. Now that we know that we're, we're crazy and he likes Denver, Miami should be the Steve Cofield DeMond Cotton lock of the year. I didn't say I was betting the heat. I don't know why I'm being. You asked for DeMond's opinion. Well, it doesn't mean I'm going to go with DeMond's pick. Now, dangerous, degenerate Danny has me worried. He does this more than me. He's also taking the over. I think it's at 210 is what he got it at. Damn, I do like the over. I, I, I just think Miami, I, I think that they're going to come competitive. I don't think that we've seen their best game. That's the problem. We have not seen their best game. Miami was a defensive team all season. They've been offensive during the postseason. 
if they decide to run and gun with Denver, and here's a we- very weird philosophy, okay? We just brought the, or I brought this up with Theo Dorsey, who was on with us in the four o'clock hour. I, I do, I. This may be weird to some people, but I am a firm believer that local markets can fuel their their brethren. And I think when you see what they had an off night, they've seen what's taking place. They're both eight seeds. Florida can do it. The Panthers can do it. We can do it. They're not going to throw rats on the heat floor. But I just think that there's something to that. There's the vibe that flows within those teams. Do you think the Golden Knights lost last night because of the El Flapo, the Aces pulled? Was there a bad vibe there? Aces lost first, and then the, the Knights are watching in the locker room, and they're like, well, The Knights bummer. definitely weren't watching. You don't think so? Not on game day. Not on game day. It could have been that Asia Wilson brought it up in the post-game Zoom a couple of nights back in saying how excited she was to get back to town because they were hoping to go to game five or to a game, she said. See, she may have put the whammo. Why would she say, I'm hoping we're hoping to get to a game and they hadn't even lost yet. Realistically, when she said that, they still had a chance to sweep. Mm. We could put this on Asia Wilson. Yep. Guys, oh, I want to give a little update real quick. Uh-oh, Degenerate. This is from Ross Gold on Wude. Jamal Murray is warming up with his left-hand take. I'm oh, boy. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. Let me, see right. if the, let me see if the line has changed at all. Let's see. I already got a bet in, so it's on not, what? not going to matter. You're not going to tell us? Uh, I don't think so today. Okay, beautiful. No, I don't. People are listening. I built the whole thing up. No, I don't think I'm going to say who I bet. I still you know who I you I know who I bet. You know my betting philosophy, especially um, in these cases when I bet on the show, it's pizza money. Uh, now, when I bet you, like when I make a season long bet with you, it's not pizza money. No, but I I bet to potentially affect storylines because I figure I'm going to lose. So if the opposite, if I if I lose, it's really what I want to have happen in the series. So I bet the Nuggets. I bet the Nuggets minus three. The other day, I bet them minus two and a half. It was easy. So, like I say all the time, if I don't win my bet, then we're going to get a good series. That makes me happy. If we're not going to get a good series, then I'm on the Nuggets, so at least I benefit from it. I make money. I'm happy either way. Were you happy? It's a weird philosophy, and it, it sounds like I'm made of money. I'm not, but like I say all the time, it's pizza money. It's not a big deal. Yet every time that we do a show together, especially if we're in the studio, you pull out a, 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 a wise guy role. I do, yes. And you and you, and you, you notice, decide to count it in front of me. I don't know why. I mean, I think you're showing off because I know, you know, I know. that I'm struggling. I've, I've always done – no. How often are you eating pizza? No, I always – here, look. I, like, here's a little here's a little roll here. First of all, this is like 100 bucks total, um, and, all, and it's mostly singles. No, what happens is, look. He's got a bookie roll. Well, I'm also, I'm very. He's uh, got the rubber band around his wrist. I'm, I'm OCD sometimes, and I don't like the money to be facing different directions. And then it gets crumpled. Look, there's a, that's yeah. cr- it's crumpled. I don't like that. So I no, straighten it out. You got to. I hope, I hope people don't. It's like it's never more than like 100 bucks. I'm not showing off a roll. You you come in, you're, you're wearing freaking. I'm wearing an ESPN, ESPN you're wearing t-shirt. A, you're wearing chains. You, you're, you know, you're, you're primped. You just had your facial. Your hair's all. You know, your beard's all trimmed. I mean, you, you live the life. Who's jealous? What does that got to do with anything? This guy's dressed to the nines. You yeah, have a personal jeweler. Yeah, he's got, he's got a personal everyone. I do. Then, you're, then you roll your son in. You're like, he's got a personal this, that. That has nothing to do with me. I, he makes more my, money than both of us. I told my plan, because I've been talking about this forever. Um, 
about the beard coloring, right? Because my, my beard is all gray and red. And Willie outright said, he's like, it looks like ass. It looks crappy. Uh, then Willie goes and gets his goatee colored. No, uh, I do it myself. Oh, you do it yourself. Um, I we get got, we got a We got a recommendation from Justin Watkins. We had a beard guy on. And I've been looking forward to getting the beard trimmed. That's why this is all grown out and, like, and, and kind of um, mutton choppy. I thought you were doing it along with the Golden Knights, letting it grow out till the Stanley Cups. I, I just bet two baseball games and the NBA game. I need to win two out of three, and then I can get the beard done. Otherwise, I'm just going to let it grow out and look like. I won't even describe what I'm going to look like. It's not going to be good. Grizzly Adams, Dan Haggerty. I wish I could be Grizzly Adams. That's the goal. If I could have that during football season, like just a big, bushy beard to go into cold weather in the Mountain West, that would be wonderful. Like but it's the, not. It's I not his name is his name is escaping like the uh, like the dude in uh, for the. Uh, uh, what are you talking about Grizzly Adams? No, for uh, Ratko Gudas for the Panthers. Oh, yeah. the his beard, his 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 beard's dope. He's a big tough guy. I'd like he to. Needs, I'd like to be a big tough guy. He needs to get uh, an endorsement from like Buffalo Beard Company or something. Caleb Herring is on the way. Not like right now. You don't have to put your microphone down. I'm just telling people what's coming up on the show in about 15 minutes. We're at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You know, when I walked in here earlier, I was like, oh, it's a little bit quiet today at Treasure Island. It's starting to pick up. It's starting to pick up. Now, luckily, Damon, um, there is a big pillar blocking Willie because we we had a uh, bachelorette party. Just walk in and take, like, a 10-top. So we're going to get back from break quickly. We're going to try to keep Willie under control. Uh, we do have a dating story that we want to mention later <coughs> with Willie. Because um, what, it is National Marriage Day? It is. I mean, you gotta you got to make the first step to get married again. And I know Willie is dying to get married again. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Willie's here. It's Cofield. I just got a nice message, Willie, from our good buddy Alan Snell, who's at LV Sports biz up on twitter it's his site it's not there it's his site and he uh, he said thanks for uh the shout out and i told him hey you've done a really good job i've said repeatedly that i think the media here has done a wonderful job the sports media because we could all be self-serving and, and just look at this and go hey new stadium major league baseball more events it's all going to help our jobs yeah whatever f it spend the money but I haven't seen that. People are objective, and, and they kind of treat it like we have on this show. Like, you know, if it's a good deal, yes. If it's going to help the community, yes. But the community comes above our jobs. I talked to Alan yeah. about a week ago at the – I believe it was during media day. Or I assume he had really good things to say about me. It's a joke. Hey, let me let me pull a Steve. Let me pull a Steve. It's a joke. Put the stop hand up. Put the stop I like, hand. I'll accept the stop hand. you got to use t- it more. What I told him was I said, hey – we gave you a shout-out. Steve Cofield really has appreciated your coverage okay. of the A's because of all the media, they've been they've been diligent, but the one guy that's kept it real and made kept everyone honest has been Alan, have, has been you. And Steve, he goes, wow, I really appreciate it. Hey, but there have been times, and I'll tell you, he's a loyal listener because there's times where I'll show up and like he'll bring something up from like two, three shows back. He'll be like, da-da-da-da, and he'll throw that in, and I'll be like, oh, he heard the show. You know, so I know he listens, but – uh, I did tell him that you have been very complimentary of his coverage. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Kumbaya. Uh, Miami and the Nuggets are coming up here in just a couple of minutes. On the way back, we're going to talk to Caleb Herring, a little update on the UNLV football roster, which is it's incredible what they've done in turning over this roster. We'll also get into his Lakers and Chris Paul and, of course, a bunch of 
NFL stories, including the plight of the running back. Man, it is rough times right now for those high-paid, highly productive running backs in the National Football League. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Rolling on. Come on back in the Lotus Studios, the Finley Toyota Studios. Treasure Island. This game is about to tip. Heat and Nuggets. Caleb Herring is on the horn with us. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I am doing good, Steve. How are you guys doing? Enjoying time down there? Uh, we're good. We're talking a lot of beards, a lot of food, bachelorette parties. Uh, we're about to talk <laughs> marriage. It's good stuff. We're talking about station business. It's always fun, you know, behind the scenes. Stiff arms. Always good. Oh, yeah, that's right, the stiff arm with the uh, Miami reporter. Um, yeah, doing good, doing good. I, You know, I always wonder when, when someone asks how you're doing, if you just want to be like, you don't care. But I do care, and I think you care about me, so I appreciate you asking. Caleb, as an athletic quarterback... Whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? As a former athletic... Please don't do that. What? Whoa. I, I don't know that he was that athletic. He he was. Don't I covered, assume. I covered him. <laughs> so Caleb Wright, don't assume. I covered him. Oh, don't, did don't you see put me in a box, Willie. Did you see the stiff arm heard round the world by Samantha Rivera on the belligerent Golden Knights fan? And what do you, what do you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, it was, I would say about a 6 or 7. Uh, because it, it, it wasn't a one-hit shot, you know. I, it, she had to go back and, and finish the job off. And usually a good stiff arm, it's just you, you pop it out there and it's over. Like the the, the, the defender's gone on that gotcha. person. She had to kind of keep nudging them. So yeah. I couldn't give it that 8 or 9 or 10. So I'd say 6 or 7. It was solid, though. You, you The reason I say it was solid, because you never got the full face on camera. So if you prevented the full face from making it to the camera, I think you did your job with the stiff arm there in that situation. And I think a microphone is a little bit harder to keep a hold of than a football in that situation when you're going for the stiff arm. So kudos for that effort. Willie, Caleb, Cofield. All right, we're going to start out uncomfortable here. I'm going to put you on the spot. This is a weird, but it is National Marriage Day. Willie sent this over. Um, He was saying (laughs) National Marriage Day. Having a tough time getting a date right now. Caleb, do you judge this show for being so single? Um, on the show, let's see. Cofield, ma- let's let's go through the marriage log here. Cofield, no. Ari, no. Demond, no. Willie, no. Adam Hill, no. Adam Candy, no. JVT, yes. Is there something wrong with the show and the people on the show? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this answer. There may be something wrong with me and JVT. But uh, no, it, it, I, dump, I, dump, 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 dump. I don't think so. No, I, I absolutely appreciate the show and the space that this show creates for me, at least, yeah. um, because marriage isn't for everybody. Let's just throw that out there. Um, and fortunately, you know, my marriage has worked out for me, at least so far, knock on wood. Um, but it's one of those things where I like this show maybe because I get to hang out with single people and get to feel, you know, what it's like to live amongst people who aren't married because it's a different lifestyle. And I I feel like you guys get an opportunity to really dive a lot deeper into your sports commitment and your talk radio commitment because you don't have uh, the the marriage Hold on. I think you better cut this off. (laughs) You are now now fading into dangerous territory, so I'll save you. The SO is not listening, so hopefully she doesn't log on to Twitter and hear the replay. (laughs) But, um, yeah, this – I mean, no, let's just go back – Backtrack a little. No, you guys aren't wrong. <laughs> that was that was Stay the right answer. A, a quick answer. 
Well, you know what it tells me is that, mm. I mean, JVT, before he broke out and became a big star, he's a board op, an engineer, producer, right? So he was in and out, had a had like hourly job, but he wasn't out at events, was it? Like, we, you, me, and Damon is still young. I mean, Damon, I'm sure if he wanted to get a date, if he wanted to settle down, but we are so busy, entrenched in our careers, and we're always... Yeah, that's it. We can't really... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, I'll just... I mean, I don't want to say it. I'll just fold now. I don't want to say it. Uh, you know, in a lot of choice, in a lot of cases, it's a choice, and in, in, in a lot of cases, like we're weirdos. Sport, like being being a sports person is you are kind of crazy. I the, it, listen it, the the beacon of all beacons, and I think the guys lived a really happy life. I I idolize Dave Koken. Dave has Dave has done it. What Dave has done, whatever he wanted to do, and I don't know if he ever wanted to get married, but Dave is he's great, man. And, and there's nothing wrong with marriage, by the way. We got to get the hell out of this. Can we? Dalvin Cook got released. What does that say about a Pro Bowler for? I don't know what we're doing. Four straight years uh, getting released. What does it say about running backs and their value in the NFL? I I say it's it's been the story about running backs for the last maybe ten to fifteen years that you could kind of project the downfall of running backs and and really the running game and the value of the running game uh, in the NFL. And it's really a shame because, like you said, a four time Pro Bowl or four times in a row, Dalvin Cook, who has even this last year, if you just put on some of the film that he was able to, to kind of put the team on his back at moments and really be a, a game changer throughout the course of, you know, a four-quarter game, uh, he his value obviously is, is expendable because of the way that the league is moving. And outside of the Tennessee Titans, it's, it's pretty much everywhere in the NFL that you see this where the running back position is being devalued. And um, even if you look at the numbers and how the – length of career or the the peak of a running back's career just based on the numbers is in his earlier years of the career uh you see the depreciation as the years go on and unfortunately for guys who consistently produce those numbers tend to go against you when it comes time to negotiate new contracts or if a team wants to release you or or continue to 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 partner with you in the future so uh dabble cooks uh, in my opinion a valuable football player who does more than just conventional running game by the way um, he's a, a threat to make a big play out of the backfield in the passing game as well. But it just says where the NFL is going. The value is on quarterbacks and the passing game. Um, and you've seen that in the numbers for the last, I'd say, decade, maybe even decade and a half, where the passing game is a priority and running backs have just depreciated over time. Interesting story emerges with Romeo Dubs from Reno. Talking about Rodgers and Jordan Love, what exactly did he say? Was it a diss? on Aaron Rodgers, and I know you saw a video with Stephen A. Smith flipping out about it. Yeah, so I, what it was is initially what I took it as was Romeo Dubs kind of, I would say, gassing up his quarterback, who he knows is going to be the quarterback of the future, right. um, making the comparison, as many have already done, and, and essentially asked the question of Romeo Dubs, what do you think the difference will be from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love? And obviously, we're talking about a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, two-time MVP Aaron Rodgers. There's not really anybody that can compare to Aaron Rodgers, but being a receiver who's you know going to be a teammate of Jordan Love's and you know trying to get the best out of him, get his confidence up, Romeo Dubs answered I think you know in a, in a a very politically correct way and said, hey, I I don't see that there's that much of a difference. He's a quarterback; he can spin it just like you know he's a professional. Yada yada yada. Um, I think Stephen A. and others kind of took it um, as a disrespectful statement towards Aaron Rodgers that that Romeo Dubs has no place comparing Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers. And I think if you're a, a smart person, you realize that he wasn't literally saying that uh, it's the same 
he's just as talented or just as good or just so, as accomplished as Aaron Rodgers. But he's trying to do the right thing by his current quarterback and say, hey, yeah, the other guy was great, but this guy's going to be just as good. He's going to be able to do the same thing and get me the ball and all these things that I want him to be confident to do come Sunday when season kicks off. So um, it was one of those teammate moments where you're trying to be a good teammate. And I think people that listen and specifically Stephen A, who completely overreacted to the quote, I think, um, really just went in on Romeo Dubs. And I think Romeo Dubs is just doing the right thing as a young receiver who's trying to build his quarterback's confidence up. Yeah, and th- th- you, li- you nailed it. It's a confidence-building motive, sort of like we saw Cheetah, right? Tariq Hill do with Tua last year, saying the best quarterback, that, or the most accurate, whatever the phrase was, after leaving Mahomes. And then uh, Devontae Adams with his college quarterback coming here to Vegas with Derek Carr. So, I mean, in a sense, it's that off-season motivation, that confidence-building conversation. Um, D-Hop, where's he going to land? Oh, there's some some spots that I'd wanted to land. I know he visited with the Patriots, and he also is scheduled, I believe, to visit with the Titans if he hasn't already. Um, but those two places uh, that we know that he's on schedule to visit have young quarterbacks, which I don't see him going to a place where there's a young quarterback um, that's not going to get him some instant success. Um, so Mac Jones with the Patriots, and who knows who's going to start You know, between Tannehill, uh, Malik Willis, and uh, and and Will Levis down in Tennessee, they got a situation down there. I don't see him going to either of those places. Where I would like to see him go is somewhere like maybe the Saints, um, with Derek Carr going down there. Um, and I think a, a real chance to be a contender in the NFC South with the Saints kind of being a team down there with that division kind of up for grabs with the exit of Tom Brady out of the Buccaneers. I think that's that's uh, that's where I would probably like him to land. There's also some rumblings, I think, of him ending up in Cleveland, reunited with Deshaun Watson. That would be a dangerous receiving core if, if that was able to happen. But uh, I would say the Saints because I, I just don't know if his mindset is to capitalize and maximize his, his dollar value or if it's to be able to be in a position to compete and win um, with his next team. So that's going to be his determining factor. Based on the teams that he's visiting and the teams that are reported that he's visiting in the Patriots and, uh, and in the Titans, it looks like he may be chasing the bag. Um, which, you know, may not be the best for his production, but he might get paid landing on one of those spots a little bit more than if he sacrifices to go to somewhere like the Saints who could contend kind of right away with him. Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, uh, NBA going to tip off here in just a couple of minutes. Caleb Herring is on the horn with us, our football insider. I want to mention a basketball point. Do you want CP3 on your Lakers? Oh, maybe like 10 years ago. <laughs> Uh, you know, when the league blocked that trade, when, when Kobe was still around, that was that was one of those times where I really wanted CP3. Um, unfortunately, it's been proven too many times that for what the Lakers are trying to do, which is get back into deep championship runs, Chris Paul just doesn't have that in the tank anymore. And it's been every time that he's on a team that has a chance, he ends up injured at the end of the season. And it was the downfall of the Suns. Great regular season point guard. He could get you there. He's a, one of the best point guards of all time. But is he durable enough at this age to really, you know, for the future, be able to make the long haul for one season individually? And then how much are you going to give up to have him around long term? And how much are you sacrificing to have him around long term? And this is this is the problem now with LeBron James. Is he is he finally is father time finally catching up to him? We don't know. We'll see, you know, how how long he can last. Um, But Chris Paul, I don't think is the answer. I think it would be nice better to have a sort of transitional uh, point guard where he's not quite ready yet, maybe a work in progress, not ready to be the, the number one option. 
Um, but with the years that LeBron has left on their contract, maybe can develop his talent behind him. I just think Chris Paul's age has has maximized. He's maximized his talent, especially at this age. And and with the injury history late in the playoffs, I don't see why really any team would take too much of a risk in, in taking him on, unless it's sort of a last ditch effort to make sure you know it's win now or never. Um, and I don't want the Lakers to ever be in that situation because you see how it can decimate a team yep. uh, for the future. Former UNLV quarterback Caleb Herring up with uh, Cofield and Willie. Some UNLV-related items. First of all, I'll say they've done a really good job this week on social media between uh, Pete Davidson playing hoops over at Mendenhall. That got millions of views. Uh, they also did a move-in video for their football team because, you know, uh, the freshmen and the newcomers who transferred in are arriving on campus as we start off June here. Did you get a chance to watch the move-in video as they quickly introduced 30 new players? I, I did. I did check it out, and it, it's really cool. Move, I remember my move-in day that first summer coming in, um, and it, it's a special time. It's an exciting time for everybody, especially the, the kids who are coming in either from high school or from you know transferring from whatever college or JUCO they came from. It's an exciting time for everybody to kind of get that first uh, that first initial reaction to the facilities and to your new home, essentially what it is. So that's, it's a great feeling to kind of get acclimated in the summer. And I've always said that the summertime is the most important time for any football uh, program to make strides and build uh, some camaraderie and some chemistry amongst the guys. And the best time to do it, I think, is when the campus is empty and it's literally just the football team, for the most part, outside of some summer school students. Um, but it's an awesome time, and it's a great feeling to introduce that many players at, at one time it's a it's a massive group of incoming uh roster members on that on that class that moved in uh, the coaching staff has done a great job since they touched down of, of getting out on the trail and not just recruiting for this class but for next year and for future years as well um, but this class is i think what 30 deep i think that they had uh, introduced here um that are moved in and ready to hit the ground how many of them make an impact immediately as far as starting roles i i would probably say five to six that we're going to really get familiar with are going to be starters and um, really contributing heavily in this in this next upcoming season. So this time is big. The summertime's huge, and the quicker those guys get acclimated, the better their chances of are making an impact in the summer or in the fall are. Thirty new players were introduced. There were fourteen new player fourteen new players in in the spring. So now we're talking about forty four new players. I think they're still working on the rosters, so there could be some more attrition and uh, more additions coming in in a way this is similar to what Dion did but the difference is Barry Odom didn't come out you know when he first took the job and saw the players and say get the F out of here which is what Dion did there's a way to do this where you do a roster turnover and you don't have to be obnoxious to the players that you're recommending move on and uh, I think more importantly you know obnoxious to their families that that's that is the biggest thing I, you know, I don't mind turning over the roster. There's a way to do it without being a creep like Dion. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. This happens, you know, anytime there's a coaching transition, right? Every every coach has come in, and since the history of college football has come in and wanted their own, quote-unquote, own guys in. Um, but there is a delicate way to do it. And if you're if you're concerned, like most, most coaches are, with what real coaching is about, which is building up young men, not just building up young players, what Dion did, in my opinion, was just a mistake. I, I, there's Because you're putting down, whether or not you're going to keep the guys in the locker room, um, to put them down in the way, so publicly humiliate them the way he did with his, his own YouTube channel, his own whatever media source he had on that initial press conference, you know, saying he's bringing Louis bags in. 
you might want to pack it up. There's there's a way to have that conversation. It should be a much more private, mentor-like conversation than Dion made it out to be on that first impression. And I I make the direct contrast with Coach Odom in his first press conference at UNLV. Uh, he mentioned that he met with players beforehand, and uh, in the press conference, he mentioned how important it is for the guys that were here existing. And he mentioned Doug Brumfield by name several times uh, to re-recruit them and have them as a part and a voice of the locker room to help him in the transition as well. Um, because the cupboard's not always empty, and it's that that's the case for every university. There's always some talent there to be found. Uh, to come in with no real idea of who that talent is without being in the room with them um, and make those kind of claims and basically excuse people before even giving them a chance. Um, and, and then also announcing his son as a starting quarterback, which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, those kind of things are just unnecessary. That's what Deion Sanders did. And I think Coach Odom and his staff have been very respectful, like you said, of the players and their families in this transition. It may not be the perfect fit here at UNLV with the new system and the new staff, but that doesn't mean you have to, to denigrate or, or smear the name of some of these young athletes who maybe have a desire to go play somewhere else. Um, I think with the, the level of attrition that this roster's had, it's been as discreet as possible as far as uh, I haven't heard any disrespect from out, for out towards outgoing players from UNLV. Uh, there's been great things about incoming players, but publicly there's been no bad smearing of players who are on their way out, um, even though there may have been hard feelings about it. There's some guys that you'd hate to see walk away from UNLV, but um, Coach Odom has not made it a spectacle um, the way he's turned this roster over. And hopefully he's turned it over for the better and made guys or made decisions for the roster that fit his personnel and his scheme best when it comes to the fall. Caleb Herring's with us. Uh, we got about a minute left. So I sent you the list of the 44 or 45 new people into the program, all by positions. I noticed a giant haul of running backs. A um, lot more offensive linemen brought in. We know the defensive backs in the spring. I think at spring practice there were 21. Uh, those have been the positions they've concentrated on. When you looked at that list, did you notice anything in particular? And you're like, okay, uh, that was probably a smart move. You know, they feel like that's a position that needed comp- uh, a lot of competition. Uh, yeah, the first thing that pops up is Donovan Lester at, at running back. He's the biggest running back, I believe, now on the roster um, at 6'2", 210 is what he was listed at. Um, so that's he's a big guy at running back, which they didn't have a lot of size in the backfield. So that automatically caught my attention. Um, Going to be some, you know, some more power behind him. He's a speed. He's a speedster, too. Kind of a straight line speedster who has that top end speed to make big plays. Um, so that's huge. And then also um, we both looked at the offensive line after the spring game and, and were aware that they would need some help there. So getting Will Thomas six, seven, three or five is, is huge. Um, and that, that I think will add some size along with others. Um, there's a couple of high school names. Obviously, Ed Haynes from Libby High School here locally is, is a name that people are going to see on the offensive line. That's probably more of a future projection um, for that. Uh, but no, that those two those two names popped the most for me um, as far as who can make an immediate impact and what the team maybe needed to address uh, the quickest during this offseason. Um, obviously, there's a name that pops for me from because it's an Arkansas transfer and Landon Rogers was recruited as a quarterback, made the switch. He's been a tight end and a wide receiver. Um, throughout his career, but he's coming in as a wide receiver, listed for UNLV as a wide receiver. I'm interested to see, kind of intrigued to see what he looks like in that position. Um, and obviously there's enough for, you know, uh, Coach Odom and the staff to think he's he's going to give them some, some value there. But guys like that uh, maybe got to prove their worth. But the first two names that I mentioned, I think, addressed a need that was immediate. And I think they're going to contribute right away in 2023. Caleb, have a great weekend, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, guys, take care. Enjoy TI. We will.
We will. Uh, game has tipped. We'll get you an update on the way back on the Nuggets and the Heat and get you set up for uh, another VGK game going down tomorrow. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. 12-9 right now. Denver up. Real low scoring first quarter. 12-9, about four minutes left in the first. Good feedback. We're talking about Andy Reid and his love of food, and he was complimenting the White House chefs for the uh, when the Chiefs visited the White House. He said the food was awesome. He mentioned a couple of items, including what he said were exotic chicken fingers. Um, P1 listener, one of our producers in essence, uh, Brady said, I've consumed more chicken fingers, tenders, nuggets than any other human in the last 35 years. Not even a debate, and I have no idea what makes them exotic. He said, were they gator? Well, he said chicken. So I know gator tastes like chicken, but he said exotic chicken fingers. And I know you reached out to Saran Petro in Kansas City. Does radio there. So he may follow up. I don't know if he's tight with Andy like that. He might have to text someone in the organization to ask Andy what exotic chicken fingers are. Maybe he just couldn't find the word. Maybe it was like, you know. Garlic parmesan. He didn't know I it think was. it's the way that they were breaded. They didn't come out like that flat tender. They, they were, mm. the way they were breaded, maybe round and fat, and then some sort of sauce or like you, like some sprink, some sprinkling of some stuff. Maybe a little. I don't. I don't know. Back in the bag. For Put your hand in there, Dave. Both Damon and Damon, you go first, and Willie. If if going on a first date with a woman meant you had to go to a vegan restaurant on the first date and then all she talked about is how she's vegan and doesn't eat anything else and is almost grossed out by it what would you do is it <laughs> worth it of course i'm already on the date I'm, i mean i'm already trying to invest a little bit i mean so at that point you, you pull a zion and, you, and then you get out <laughs> like you work all you can and then uh, you just go for a mediator in the future. No, I, I could put up with it. I, I, okay. I could see. I could see where you know, see where this journey takes me. Willie's very picky with his food, though. You're you're very carnivorous. Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, if I'm, I'm with Demond, you're already out. You're already vested. You you roll through it. But I mean, the way you put it, the way you presented it, basically, if she's a nag, and I got to listen to the complaining and the whining of eating meat, she's done. Yeah, she's gone. She's, she's not even. Yeah. Yeah, we have, she may uh, even have to Uber home. TMI, I have a vegan ex who's like a chef. If she said, Ooh. you have to go vegan and I'll take you back right now, never touching meat again. Let's go. Oh, really? All right. All right now so, who's. So, so basically, now, she turned them on out. Now who's going to make a promo? Okay. Tit for tat. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. One more time in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. They're waiting for what's I've coming. I've got my Samantha Rivera peripheral on. I'm ready to. I don't know, man. I. I got a. I got a weird vibe on that one. I. You offered. You offered Samantha a spot at the gym. And you were like, I can give you some vegan recommendations. That's it. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we're not booking the show to you know. Settle down, Turbo. <laughs> Jesus. 
Tomorrow, Ellis Island, I'll be there. 5 o'clock, I'll be there earlier. Watch party for VGK. It's a great spot in the front yard. Steve's here will be there as well. Thanks to Damon, Mateo, wonderful job. Thank you so much, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We'll see you.